Hey there, and welcome to Church of the Beloved's weekly sermon podcast. My name is Kevin Zhou, and I serve on staff as the production manager here at COTV. Today's message is brought to us by teaching team member Ashanti Petaway. He is preaching from Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. Good morning, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here, as always, and it feels strange having my introduction done, because I'm like, man, y'all know me, we family. Uh, <clears throat> but I recognize some people may be meeting me for the first time. So, uh, as always, again, it's an honor to be here. Uh, today, I'm especially excited because my mom's here. Uh, so, shout out to my mom. Uh, you know, you're not supposed to tell a woman's age, but I like to show off. Like, my mom's 80, y'all. Like, and, she <clears throat> and like... You would have no idea how she functions, moves around, and looks that she's 80, but she, she does it. The Lord has blessed her, and he's blessed me to be able to call her mom. Uh, I am rocking some traditional Nigerian gear today. I am not from Nigeria, though, okay? So, uh, but uh, one of my beloved brothers, Chima, and his beautiful wife, Aunt, uh, Tangela, they blessed me with this, and I was like, hey, listen, I'm going to represent this on Sunday. They just had their first child. They gave birth to a beautiful daughter, and I was like, I'm going to represent you all today and your wonderful blessing by wearing this today. And it's an honor to be able to, uh, to do so. I like, I like being able to get into some traditional African gear, uh, and I love being able to see other people represent in their traditional, uh, you know, wherever you're from, your authentic community wear. I always appreciate that. Uh, today we're jumping into the text. Uh, how many of you guys, when you heard the series coming up, preaching through the Ten Commandments, really went like, Yeah! <laughs> I think uh, in all my years of preaching, uh, I don't think I, this is the first time I've ever participated in preaching through the Ten Commandments, but I can't really think of a time where I've actually heard it preached. Um, and that's interesting uh, because I think sometimes we divorce uh, the Old Testament from the New. I think the Old Testament is sexy, and I know you're like, what? Did he say sexy? Like, it is, we find it really attractive and alluring when it's those great stories and those narratives. It's like David and beating Goliath or, or you know, the walls tumbling down if they walk around a couple times and blow the trumpets. Like, those things are fascinating to us. We, we really enjoy hearing about our Hebrew brothers going into the furnace and then them saying, well, who's that fourth person in there? Like, those are the stories we're familiar with. We love them. But what happens is, is because we only focus on those, sometimes we divorce ourselves from the Old Testament and all the nuances, but also the very intricacies of it that very much impact how we live today. As we look through the Ten Commandments, it's very much a beautiful thing because in it, we're seeing how God is forming his people. They, they, they are now being identified as a nation, and he's saying, hey, you've been a part of some things you as my chosen people, I need to show you the distinctions between you and others. And who I am, and in light of who I am, how you're supposed to conduct yourself. For those of us who live today as followers of Jesus Christ, who as this was being delivered in the Old Testament, was actively present as God, delivering this information with God as well. It, he's telling us even now today, now that you are mine, as followers of Christ in the New Testament, it speaks to that. It says, now that you are mine, this is how now you should live. Can we agree with that? And so today I think it's still a beautiful thing to even be able to look at something as simple as thou shalt not steal and see the implications of what that means for our life today at present. 
as I spoke to you guys last time, I think in looking at this text, you see it broken up into two sections. You've got the first section, which is uh, commandment one through four, which deals with our relationship with God. So these are uh, the people of God being introduced and, and being told by the I am that I am. This is how you should relate to me. And then what he does in uh, communicating commandment five through ten is saying, now this is what your relationship should look like between each other. You heard, honor thy father and mother, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, and today thou shalt not steal. I think sometimes we don't even think of the implications of stealing because we're like, hey, we're pretty good people. I don't run around stealing. Uh, but my hope is today that as we look at the text, uh, that the Lord will open our hearts and maybe there'll be some conviction in the ways that which we might be actual perpetrators of stealing that we may not have recognized. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your goodness. I recognize that outside of who you are and the fact that I'm yours, nothing makes me honorable of this opportunity to preach your text. So, Lord, I pray that this morning that you would speak through me, to me, and to us all as a family of believers so that we may grow, be transformed, and be convicted. And for those who may not know you as Lord and Savior, may, be this, may this be their introductory to authentic, intimate relationship with you as you show them themselves and you show us of who you are and why we desperately need you. Help your love reign in a mighty way today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm big on words, so I want to define stealing for us. Because we can talk about stealing, but then if we all have different frameworks we're coming from, we may have different levels or value systems that determine that. So let's just go with this one for us all as we look at today. This idea is the action or offense of taking another person's property without their permission or legal right and without intending to return it. Taking another person's personal property with this idea of actually even then depriving that person of their property and their ability to use it. That's theft. That is stealing. And we find this, interestingly enough, after the Lord has given them, honor thy father and mother, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, and then thou shalt not steal. Now, Israel is coming from a place at this time where they've been under oppression and slavery under Egyptian leadership. They've been in a Egyptian culture that has been very contrary to anything else they've ever experienced and very much what they've lived in in such a way that they, it's formed how they live. It's formed how they see the world. It forms how they walk out their faith. And now the God of Israel, the I am that I am, that has led Moses to then say, come to Pharaoh, let my people go. And now they've seen the parting of the Red Sea. They've seen their enemies destroyed. They've seen a lot of amazing things happen. And God is shaping their new culture, their new society. He's saying, hey, I need you to know who I am and your new identity and how you should function. But this is very contrary to what they've been doing. They're having to learn new ways in which to interact. And it cuts to the very fabric of what a society should look like. Why should you say not steal? There's a very practical reason to it is because stealing violates relationship trust. 
There has never been seen a thriving relationship or a thriving community where active theft or stealing is taking place amongst those who are in it. Who has been stolen from before? I remember one day I went to a, a Christian bookstore in Atlanta. I was excited. I was a new believer, and I was going to get one of my favorite rap albums from my favorite Christian hip-hop artist. His name was Ambassador. He's part of this group called The Cross Movement. I loved him. And I remember I went in there, got in. I came back outside, ready to throw my CD in the car and jam on it. And guess what happened when I came back out to my car? My stereo was gone. This lets you know sin has no bounds. Even in the Bible bookstore <laughs> parking garage, you can get got. And so I walk in here to get this CD to celebrate God's goodness in my life and rap and just go throw it in the car and, and lo and behold, it's gone. And in that moment, there was a strong sense of violation, a strong sense that, man, Somebody took something from me, and not only did they take something from me, they took something from me that now is depriving me from being able to experience what I just purchased. They took it, but they're also depriving me of something of now. I was getting ready to worship the Lord through music, and now I can't even do that. I've got to call the police, try and file a report, and all those good things. There's never a time where theft leaves you smiling. And the reason why I want to kind of create this distinction of that word deprived, 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 because theft does that. It's not just that you take something from somebody that doesn't belong to you, but then they are deprived of something that they cannot get back. One of the things that we all hate to see is when we see corporate theft. I know I'm in a young crowd, but are you guys old enough to remember the Enron scandal? Is that yes, no, I don't? Okay, cool. Oh, you know, I'm at that age now. I'm not super old. I'm only 44. But where I say stuff, and then people look at me like, what? And I'm like, oh, wow, you really have no idea what that was. Okay, it really makes you feel old, even though you're not. But cool. There's never a time, though, when we see stealing of any kind that really we celebrate. Except in one place. And you ready for what that is? Movies. Think about how many movies we've watched where somebody is stealing something and we're like, we're rooting for them in the movie. Like we're literally celebrating them as they get away with the crime. Who loves Ocean's 11? <laughs> Who loves Ocean's 8, 9, or 10? <laughs> I love them all. And what has happened is, is in those movies, the characters that we are actually celebrating are thieves. And what we do to justify it is we've created an enemy that is worthy of having something stolen from. If you're familiar with Robin Hood, it was Robin Hood and the prince of what? Thieves. They robbed from the rich and then gave to the poor. And the reason why I bring this up is because although we just separate ourselves from this idea of theft and stealing, we don't realize even as a culture there are ways that we are subconsciously being framed so that things aren't as bad. We, we, we have grade levels to things now. There is actually within our cultural justifiable theft. 
How many of you all recognize that the city of Chicago, I love our city, but how many of you all have been just frustrated with how much money they charge for taxes or even for when you get a ticket, right? And we will actually try and find ways to beat the system because we say, you know what? They're overcharging us anyway. We park in a parking spot and throw on our hazards knowing we're going to be there a while. It's not 15 minutes. We'll even park there sometimes and just if I say, you know what? They don't need any more of my money. I'm going to park here and I'm just not going to pay. And then I'm going to pray, Lord, please don't let the parking attendant come by and do their job. Actually prevent the fact that I'm stealing. Bless me. Keep me. And then we get back to our car and we're mad. Like, they gave me a ticket. Because we've actually slowly been numb to the idea that it's wrong. Because we've been given, in our world and our culture, allowances where it's justified to steal. I know somebody may be saying, Shanti, that doesn't apply to me. That's not my issue. I don't steal. Well, okay, amen. Praise God. I'm glad that you have not at any point in your life stolen. Uh, I, you be the first. Because think about it. It's one of the earliest things that we find even in childhood. We always see the little memes or we've seen the little storybooks where the kid gets caught with the cookie jar and it takes it out, gets it, eats it, and it's like, oh, did you eat the cookie? And they're like, no, I didn't. And we always associate that as a lion, but a part of it is they were taking something that was not theirs either. So it was lying and stealing. I can't believe I'm going to say that. I'm very open with giving personal examples, and I'm about to confess something that my mother doesn't even know. So I... I I, maybe this is not a time to do that. Uh, um, there was a time, I didn't go through with it, so that's that, I'm going to tell that part of the story first. Um, we were in a grocery store, and I really, in my time, there was this big, like, collecting cards was like a big thing. Baseball, basketball, football, and... I have no idea. Yes, I do. It was sin. I could have very easily asked my mom, hey, could you buy these cars for me? However, what I attempted to do was, it was in Kroger's grocery store. That's a chain in Ohio. And I, I went and I was like, man, I really want these cars. I want these basketball cards. And so I took probably about five packs. And then I made my way to the bathroom because I was like, okay, I've got to stash this somewhere because I was like, I can't get caught. I knew well enough that like, hey, you don't get caught. Uh, yeah, that was just like, I got to do it. Uh, but I, I think it was because of God's grace and just the fear of my mother. Uh, as I walked back out after successfully putting them away in my, uh, my underwear, uh, <laughs> I was getting ready to move and I just said, no, nah, don't do this. And I wish I could say, I said, I'm not going to do this because it was wrong. For me, actually, it was the potential consequences of this are just not worth it, guy. And so I put them back. But many of us don't fight that urge. 
How have we done this? Who has clocked time that they didn't actually work? You checked out. Uh, yeah, somebody raised their hand. <laughs> I knew everybody was going to get quiet on that one because your, your boss might be here too or watching online. We're like, okay, we're off. Man, I know I'm leaving. It's 4.35, but I'm still going to clock out at 50. You know, I'm at 5 o'clock. I'm just going to mow him market. So I'm going I'm to take that extra 25 minutes because, you know, I've earned it, right? I deserve it. I work hard. I labor hard. I should have this. No, that's stealing. I wish I could show you guys your faces. <laughs> it's stealing. But we find ways to justify stealing. And, and, and why is Scripture setting things up in such a way so that we can read it, learn it, and grow from it? What were the people of God to read, understand, and grow from? Is that you have to have a standard. If you have no standard, things will go away because everyone is only focused on their personal self-interest. Within the church, think of how many of us who have been violated and hurt. Our faith has been, I dare say, tampered with at times. When we've seen or heard stories of men and women of God who have stolen from the church. Think of the implications of people who you've ministered to and you've heard them say, but hey, I've heard stories about those hypocritical Christians and I heard a story and then they'll have a laundry list of these negative stories they've heard. So these aren't just in place for your own well-being, but it's in place for your own well-being, the well-being of the community, and then the well-being of the culture around you. Because you have to have something within your culture that separates you from everything else. Otherwise, who are we to say that, hey, we're serving the true and living God, but then function in our living day to day like the rest of the world? What makes us distinct? God is calling us to be different. God is calling us to operate different. And stealing and theft, again, cut at the fabric of our culture. It brings people to feel like they're not safe. Trust is lost. Feelings of disrespect, anger. And the people of God are being told by God, this is how you need to distinctively shape yourself different from the rest of the world around you. Don't steal. Because God knows that the core, if you begin that road, just like the other ones, these are all things that are going to keep you from living a healthy, productive lifestyle that brings glory to his name and then proclaims his name and his goodness to the rest of the world. And for those who struggle and say, well, hey, that's the Old Testament. We've got the new covenant. I love it when people say that. Because the new covenant is beautiful. But I hope you remember what Jesus said when he was in the Sermon of the Mount. He didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. But I also want you to know this distinctive. He said, remember it was told of you of old, thou shalt not commit adultery. 
Jesus does not somehow negate the Old Testament law, but he actually amplifies it, which is why I'm like, don't get too excited. He amplifies it because what he then says is, listen, if you have looked upon a woman, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And we discussed this last time. God is concerned not just with your action, but what your heart is. And he knows that a person who is not honoring to their parents, the one who commits murder, the one who commits adultery, the one who steals, doesn't just have an action issue, they have a heart issue. And God is addressing that with his people right now. We live in a culture today because I know we say, well, hey, if we look at the Old Testament, we look at the New Testament, reread the text, we know what it means to the people of God at that moment. What does it mean to us now? How do we now function and live out our lives in light of the truth that we've received today? Well, today, I'm here to announce publicly to us all that we have all stolen. We have all been active participants in stealing. And I want to take this closing time to show you how we have all. Remember, I didn't say you. I said we. And this doesn't mean just we in this room. This applies to every believer across the world, millions of miles away. We have been guilty of stealing. How? Our culture prides itself on this idea of independence, not being owned by anything. We're our own individuals. But we don't like to apply that across the board because when we're in trouble, we love to be all of a sudden a group of people, to belong to something. And so stealing is this idea that there is ownership. Someone else's property is being taken by someone else. Do you know that you are not your own? We are not ours. We have been what? Bought for a price. The lives we now live, we live in submission to the one who paid for us. Think about it. If I create something like this piano and then it begins to function and work, do I own it or does that piano get to decide what it's going to do and now live its own life? You may not want to acknowledge this, but if you are saying, I believe Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, I've put my faith in him, I believe he died for my sins. I believe that he, on the cross, conquered both sin and death through not only his death, but then through his burial and resurrection. He is one person within the triune, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. If we believe that to be true, and we've all put our faith in that, can I hear you all say amen? Amen. Then let us go to the beginning of creation. And in Genesis, we hear this amazing story of how God formed and then breathed life 
into Adam. It may not be popular to say, but if he made us, he owns us. But he loves us in a way that we don't even fully grasp because it's that grand and that perfect and that big that it's hard for our brains to fully grasp the beauty of it. It is not the ownership that we saw in modern-day slavery in North America. It's not the ownership that they experienced, the children of Israel in Egypt where they were enslaved. It is not the abuse or form of ownership that we've seen in various cultures throughout the time of history. It is a loving ownership that says, hey, you're my creation. You're beautifully made in my image. And I love you dearly. And I'm saying, I love you so much that in your disobedience to me, I actually created an opportunity for you to be reconciled for me. Because a price had to be paid. And my son, for whom all things were made and by through whom all things were made, who was with me in the beginning, along with the spirit, who we all participated in your creation. He walked to that cross. It is easy for us to join in and say, yes, I belong to God when we hear scriptures like, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. We love it when we hear things like, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. We love all those things because we, we love being owned by God when we need him. But in our day-to-day life, we like to function as if he's not. I have functioned days where I have not operated as if I was his. But I was my own. Is there a chance that if I feel violated when someone takes my property, that our God might be violated? Could it be that he's offended when we don't remember that we were brought with a price? First Corinthians, you see it on two different occasions within uh, 20 to 30 verses of each other. First Corinthians 6.20, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God with your what? Your body. 1 Corinthians 7, 23, you were bought with a price. Do not become bond servants of men. We're not robots. But we are his creation. And when we violate saying, you know what? I'm doing what I want to do. We are stealing from God. So again, you think of the Ten Commandments coming and say, oh, I don't steal. I don't do this. Through our sexual promiscuity, we're stealing from God. Through us not taking care of our physical temple so we can do the work of the Lord, we're stealing from God. For us not taking care of our emotional, mental, and spiritual health, so that we can be fully functional for those who are around us, glorify the Lord in the broader society. We are stealing from God. 
Let us not continue to misuse what God has given us. So this morning as we close, I'm reminded of the fact that our God loves us so much that he paid the price for what he already owned before what he owned even recognized and honored him in their need for him. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for who? Us. So know this today as you go forth. The beauty of being able to serve our wonderful God is that he is so dope, and I use that word intentionally, that when we obey him and when we serve him and when we use our lives as he conducts us and tells us to do, he's like, it's always for your good and your betterment. It doesn't mean that it won't be hard. Just like in life, there's never a time where things aren't going to be hard. But he's saying that if you're in my will, doing it my way, it produces something that will always benefit you and the broader society around you. So today, as you go forth, I encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to examine your life and say, Lord, where have I been stealing from you? In what ways, as your child, which is amazing, he could lord over us in such a way, but he allows us to call out to him as Abba, Father. In what ways have I been stealing from you? In what ways have I been robbing you of your glory? In what ways have I not been honoring you? For those who are listening today who don't know God as Lord, you've been purchased with a price. But know that he is not lording over you saying, you better do what I say. His arms are wide open saying, I know it hurts. And yes, there's disappointment in how you've been acting. But listen, that doesn't keep me from keeping my arms open. So in your shame, in your disappointment, in your fear, in your sense of just not knowing, I don't need you to figure it out. Come to me and let me work it out with you and in you because you cannot do it yourself. Let us pray. Thanks for tuning into this week's COTB Sermon Podcast. For more info or to connect with us online, you can find us at cotb.life.